0: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Triangles Meditation Group. Today is September 4th, 2023. And as we do each week, let's begin with a moment of silence to link up with all Triangles members throughout the world and extend the invitation to all those who do not yet know about this planetary service, but who through the ethers of our thought, will respond and hopefully
1: become members. So let's just take that moment of silence. We know, O Lord of life and love,
0: about the need. Touch our hearts anew with love,
1: that we too may love and give. Each week we meet in this webinar to fulfill two purposes, two primary
0: purposes, which is to introduce Triangles to people who are new to it and give them the opportunity to find out more about this planetary service. So if you are new to this work, welcome. And if you'd like to find out more, you can go to our website, triangles.org. And if you would like to take the step of forming a triangle, you can reach out through the chat box and hopefully two other people on the call will also agree to form a triangle with you. And this webinar is also intended for those of us who are already members of Triangles to come together each week and to participate in a meditative visualization in the support and strengthening of the planetary network. It might be helpful for some to know that this work was established in 1937 and it was initially an outgrowth of the Arcane School. It was and still is considered a service activity of that group of individuals throughout the world who are going through the systematic training which the Arcane School offers. It was started by Alice Bailey who wrote the books, uh, the 24 volumes uh, with the Tibetan teacher. And so this work was established with four main objectives in mind, and it might be helpful to just review them. The first, uh, and this is aligned with the Tibetan ashram, it was to establish right human relations and to spread goodwill and the light of understanding throughout humanity. So this work helps to break down the walls of separation and division by bringing in and circulating the light of the soul. The second objective is to raise the level of human consciousness and to transform the mental
1: and spiritual climate of the planet. And another objective
0: is to strengthen and support the work of men and women of goodwill in the world. And that's another service activity. World goodwill is a, the second service activity established by Lucis Trust under the guidance of the Tibetan himself. So the work of triangles provides the spiritual sustenance which underlies the goodwill work in the world. Triangles aids in world goodwill's primary objective which is to mobilize the energy of goodwill. And the fourth primary objective of this work is to provide a reservoir of thought and to inspire practical and constructive action on behalf of humanity. So all of our work can help to sustain the reservoirs, which we're told are the essential essence of the inner ashrams, reservoirs of living substance through which we can draw in times of need, in our service work, and to which we contribute in our work of practicing triangles each day. So the work of triangles is actually involved with establishing lines of lighted, loving communication and visualizing a triangle between three people. This triangle is sustained on a daily basis through mental, spiritual, and goodwill relationships between the three people. It's a subjective work. You can work with people on other sides of the planet or people within your own family. All different types of triangles are needed. And as your individual triangle is visualized, you then visualize yourself and your triangle as linking with the planetary network of triangles. And as that network is visualized, sounding the Great Invocation is a perfect vehicle for the distribution of that lighted energy. And so in relation to that, to the Great Invocation, as the primary tool of the triangle's work, we thought that it might be helpful for the group to have a focus for the next four weeks on the stanzas of the Great Invocation. And so we're beginning this week with the first stanza, which, as you know, is an invocation of light. And we have two guests. Each week we will have two guest presenters. And this week we are happy to have returning guests of Sunny and Tom Koshi, longtime students of the Ageless Wisdom, who live and work on distributing the teachings on the Ageless Wisdom in Texas. And so we're very happy to have them back with us. Sunny um, has spent her life uh, working in, in the field of education as both a teacher and an administrator. And Tom worked for many years in engineering and then later in engineering management. So as I said, we look forward to them. And uh, now our work is involved with a brief visualization. And as many of you may know, the grain vocation is said to be a seventh ray mantra. So it embodies the energies which are coming in with the Aquarian age. It's said to be the Christ's own mantra. And so I thought that perhaps for our brief visualization today, we might just visualize a what's called a the direction of the seventh ray. It comes from an interesting passage in the books, which captures an aspect of the potency of this seventh ray cycle, that is upon us. It brings us from this time in which humanity is passing through a considerable period of chaos and disruption, and it brings us into the potency which the seventh ray and the use of the great
1: invocation can unleash within our world. So let's just take a brief moment to center ourselves. And the scene that unfolds before our inner eye is of a man
0: sitting under a teetering arch between two
1: rooms. He's facing towards a room that is full of movement, activity, chaos without form, a room of work which has no true objective. In the other room, however, we find a room of life, light and power a room of stillness which has purpose, beauty, which is space. The man's back is turned towards the room of vital stillness. He knew it not. The man has been sitting under the arch for ages,
0: trying to figure out how to rearrange the chaos of the chaotic room so that beauty might shine forth,
1: that harmony would sound forth, but he had no success. Then, as the man sat there, he sensed something above his head and behind his back. Then, within the room of ordered beauty, a magnet vast began to oscillate.
0: The magnet turned him round until he faced the other room unseen before. Then through the center of his heart, the magnet poured its force attractive. The magnet poured its force repulsive. It reduced the chaos until its forms no longer could be seen. Some aspects of a beauty unrevealed before emerged. And from the room, a light shone forth and by its powers and life
1: force the magician to move forward into light and leave the arch of peril. Linking with the group, we sound the invocation of light.
0: Radiance we are and power. We stand forever with our hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the earth, the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. We reach into the light and bring it down to meet the need. We reach into the silent place and bring from thence the gift of understanding.
1: Thus with the light we work and turn the darkness into day. So with that brief visualization,
0: we can see the power which this seventh ray energy will bring as it begins to govern all the ways of what might be.
1: This is the promise which is unfolding underneath the outer chaos. The Great Invocation differs from earlier prayers and mantras,
0: and this is reflected in its rhythmic cadences. It doesn't really have a mystical note. You might say it's more occult, in fitting with the scientific nature of the Aquarian Age. It's concerned with the transmutation of energy, with the bringing about of a synthetic synthesis between the three planetary centers and its focus is is upon humanity and the role, the key role, which humanity can play in not only the transformation of our planetary life, but also in the solar system and beyond. Humanity has a powerful destiny of establishing a great station of light on planet Earth. It's said that the invocation was translated from seven ancient word forms, which were found upon the inner planes. And the Tibetan had the challenging task, along with Alice Bailey, which occurred as the sun was rising under the influence of the sign of Aries. One morning, he was able to finally bring through this powerful mantra. Alice Bailey said this was the time that it was almost as if the Tibetan had to materialize in her space because there was such a great invocative invocative appeal being established between their two minds because the wording had to be exact. And it's also said that on the inner planes where these seven word forms were found, there was a symbol, a symbol that reflected the time wherein this great prayer should be utilized by humanity. And that symbol was reflective of this time. And surely the seven symbols have their correlation to the seven rays. We can visualize these rays being released through the invocation. Perhaps the first three stanzas reflective of the rays of aspect, and the fourth stanza, and the fifth line, reflective of the rays of aspect, and their merging and blending in one great invocative stream that is released through the invocation. The seven also relates, perhaps, to the seven sacred planets, the seven Kumaras in the highest center Shambhala on our planet, which stand as vehicles through which these rays are released on our planetary life, transmuted by the seven major ashrams and the sever- seven major ray groupings within humanity, all these groupings are stimulated by the use of the Great Invocation. And it's particularly potent to use the invocation in coordination with the cyclic inpouring of the great zodiacal energies. We aid in releasing the light of these influences into the body of humanity and through humanity to all life forms, helping to fulfill humanity's purpose as planetary light bearers. Our task is to help to help our Logos (laughs) with the awakening of his brain cells, which are as yet sleeping. We, as members of Triangles, are considered awakening brain cells, whereas the spiritual hierarchy are fully awake brain cells. But through our collaborative work in Triangles, we can aid
1: in awakening the sleeping brain cells. The Great Invocation is a vehicle for the letting in of light. Light reveals,
0: we're told. It reveals the plan. And yet, at the same time, it reveals the fact that that plan is as yet far from consummation. And this is the struggle of all those who are awakening to the light. For we have to face what light reveals while going forward with serenity and confidence in the ultimate victory, the ultimate triumph of the good, the beautiful, and the true. We can't allow ourselves to be overwhelmed by the surface evil, and instead must hold fast to the heart of love, which beats behind the outer seeming. We have to remember
1: this, or we can easily be shattered by what we discover. So let's work now with our meditation. In stage one, integration as a group. Focus ourselves as a group upon the mental plane at the center of the even arm cross of discipleship. And link in thought as a soul, as a point of love and light with all people throughout the world who are working with this Triangle's meditation group. We visualize a rainbow bridge connecting the group with
0: the spiritual hierarchy, and we sound together the affirmation of love.
1: In the center of all love, I stand. From that
0: center, I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the Divine Self be shed abroad, in my
1: heart, through my group, and throughout the world. Now hold the consciousness immersed within the light of the group's soul, the heart of love which underlies and infuses the network. Now holding the alignment between your triangle, the planetary network of triangles, the group soul, and the world teacher, hold the group mind open and receptive to the inpouring energies of love. Precipitation. Visualize the energies of love, light, and goodwill
0: circulating in and around the triangle's network from point to point
1: and flowing out through the network into the hearts and minds of people everywhere. As a group, we sound together the mantra of Unification. The sons of men are one, and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve, and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all people love. Visualize the whole planet alight with triangles. See new triangles being formed everywhere. Distribution, sound the great invocation, silently or aloud. And as you
0: repeat each stanza, visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and humanity. And as a channel through which
1: light and love and divine purpose may flow into human consciousness. So now I'd like to welcome Sunny Koshi. Can you unmute Sunny? There you go.
0: Welcome, Hi. Sunny. Welcome. Thank you. So nice to have you here.
2: <laughs> well, first, I'd just like to express gratitude for my husband and I being able to come and speak to you, everyone, today on
1: the great invocation, the first three lines, the Christ the master of all masters, the teacher
2: alike of angels and of humans, has gifted a new prayer or invocation for use by all of humanity on a large scale around the planet during the current period, the Aquarian. This great prayer or invocation is like a vast energetic planetary lotus blossom based on the same fundamental systemic blueprint upon which our planet is based. From the lotus blossom central point, or jewel in the lotus, pour forth great streams of divine energy, the energy of light, the energy of love, and the energy of the will to good, infusing the whole planet and all its inhabitants. Its use by humanity as a whole invokes new life and health into the entire body of humanity via the main planetary centers of divine livingness and consciousness. Christ employs the new invocation on behalf of all women and men of goodwill in all lands. Not a day goes by that he does not sound it forth. At the same time, he gathers up all the incohent and unexpressed demands of the masses who seek a new and better way of life. They want love in daily living and right human relations and an understanding of the underlying plan. By his own choice, Christ's concerns are inextricably bound up with humanity. Christ has recognized the unique opportunity of our time and responded by signifying his intention to reappear. The great invocation is uniquely the Christ, and he gave it to humanity as an aid in the preparatory work with which we are immediately confronted. Each of the four stanzas refers to one or other of the three divine aspects of energy, plus a reference to humanity, where the three divine energies meet perfectly. From the potentiality of spiritual energy and latency, these three divine aspects will develop into the full flowering expressions of divinity. One of the first signs of the plowing forth of divinity expressing itself initially in humanity is the intensity of human conflict. This conflict can be seen all around the world. But we must remind ourselves that this outward appearance of conflict is only a sign of the inner divine energies working their way out through human lives. This conflict will eventually produce harmony. All divine energy lines and aspects of energy meet in humanity. This is a basic teaching. Humanity was created to be the divine bridge between the superhuman or spiritual kingdoms and the subhuman kingdoms. The subhuman kingdoms find their consummation in the human And through the human kingdom, all superhuman lives have at some time passed. In the first three lines of the Great Invocation, there is reference to the mind of God as a focal point for divine light. This light refers to the soul of all things. This includes the soul in densest matter, the Anamamundi, the animal soul and the human soul, the light of intelligence. It is a consummating point of light regarded as the overshadowing soul of humanity. The term soul has as its major attribute enlightenment. Soul is an aspect of divine manifestation referred to by Sri Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita when he says, Having pervaded this entire universe, with a fragment of myself, I remain. That fragment is the soul of all things. That soul brings light and spreads enlightenment. Invoking the mind of God in the invocation indicates the anchoring of this power in humanity.
1: This is the promise of the future our hope, and our current opportunity.
2: It is the struggling, aspiring, and suffering humanity to whom the task of right human relations is committed and the carrying out of the plan to transform Earth into a divine planet. For the first time in human history, humanity is up to the task. Light refers to the intellect, which makes progressive enlightenment possible. It was Patanjali who wrote down the Yoga Sutras for humans, detailing the progression of the mind toward eventual union with divinity, referring to the rain cloud of knowable things. This rain cloud is the impending, overshadowing storehouse of energy, which is the immediate cause of all events on earth. This rain cloud indicates the emergence of that which is new and better and right. Its precipitation demonstrates events and happenings which move onward into the greater light of human consciousness, leading to a greater cultural civilization. The condensation of these greater things is brought about by the massed invocative appeal of the entire human family at any one period. The intelligence principle is the outstanding characteristic of humanity. It is a reflection of the divine third aspect of deity, active intelligent adaptability. Light and intelligence are synonymous terms, both knowledge and wisdom are expressing themselves through the Christ and the Buddha. The Buddha is the messenger of light for the East and the Christ, the messenger of love for the West. The mission and work of these two great avatars or coming ones enfolds the entire world in light and love. The teaching of the Buddha has taught us to cease identifying ourselves with our desires and materialism, and bring light and enlightenment into our own lives through the path of right relations, right relations to God, right relations to our fellow humans, and thus be happy. The teaching of the Buddha laid the foundation for the work of his great brother, the Christ. This is the superstructure that we are all children of the one father, and that right human relations are an expression of the love of God for all his children. This expression will demonstrate humanity's rejection of selfish materialistic living and prove that divinity exists in all human beings as they traverse the lighted way of right human relations. The word light implies many interpretations. It concerns the discovery of the lighted areas of being which otherwise remain unknown. We create light. We employ light. We discover greater lights which reveal to us the unknown God, the jewel in the lotus of our planet. Our guiding light, the soul within us, eventually brings brighter lights which usher in the process of revelation. Human thought concerns the light of knowledge, the light of reason, and eventually the grasping of the first great lighted area known as the circle of the mind of God. Humanity's destiny is to become an advocate or spokesperson of the mind of God, thus expressing active intelligence, motivated by love and implemented by will. The steady use of the Great Invocation will bring about a vision of spiritual development and a oneness into human thinking. As light streams forth into the minds of humans, the divine plan will be more widely sensed and goodwill will be more widely desired and invoked. Through the work of the triangles, the network which triangles are creating, Light and illumination is invoked daily in the work and attitudes of the Triangle's members and simultaneously into the whole human family. Those who carry out this great act of invocation are the spiritually minded people whose hearts are full of goodwill. It is the invocative appeal of the many groups working on behalf of humanity consciously or unconsciously, which will bring forth the Christ. If they can stand with massed intent, with hope and expectancy, they will evoke him. This preparatory work must be focused through and implemented by the world intelligentsia and the lovers of humanity, by groups dedicated to human betterment, And by representative, unselfish people. The success of the effort planned by Christ and the spiritual hierarchy is dependent upon the ability of humankind to use what light it already has in order to establish right human relations in their families, in their community, in their nation, and in the world. It is thus. That light and love and power will strike a death blow to evil, selfishness, and separateness. And the purpose of the creator of all things will be fulfilled.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sunny. Such a beautiful way to start this entire month. Thank you. <laughs>
1: thank you so much. So now let's welcome Tom. I'm here. Hey, <laughs> Thank you, Tom. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, I also
3: want to express my gratitude for this opportunity to speak about the uh, Great Invocation. And... Uh, To go go along with Sunny's wonderful presentation, I would like to say a few words about the symbolism of the Great Invocation. We all know that the Great Invocation
1: comprises five stanzas. Symbolically, these represent
3: the five energies we need to work with to purify to transcend in humanity's journey of evolution, <clears throat> pardon me, these are the energy of the monad or life itself, the energy of the soul or love, and the threefold energy of the personality. The first three stanzas are in invo- book are the invocation of God, the Trinity, the three aspects of light love and will to stream forth on earth and purify the hearts and minds of humanity. The last two stanzas depict the desired effect which will manifest among humanity as earth on earth as a result
1: of the forces released by these energies. Looking at The sequence of these stanzas, one can also detect the
3: necessary stages of progress. Man or the group has to self initiate and employ self effort to bring about the intended right human relations, as well as to go forward on the evolutionary path. A thinking man has to use his intellect to know the right path. And in order to know, his first his mind has to be illumined so as to go forward with conscious understanding. So the first answer invokes the light of God to illumine human minds. We use the mind as the agency through which we gain the many divine recognitions leading to the realization of our true self as the self of God. Without an illumined mind, we are able to express only in terms of the lower concrete mind. Next, we apply the illumined mind in all our activities and relationships with divine love. The second stanza invokes the love of God, Christ consciousness, into the human hearts. Here, we are given the opportunity to combine the forces of the head and the heart and work as spiritual men on the mental plane, as soul-infused personalities and as a spiritual group. Thirdly, we must know the purpose behind our thoughts and actions and must also be endowed with a will or power recognize and follow the plan to fulfill the purpose. Therefore, the third stanza invokes the will of God to guide all little human wills so that all individual and group endeavors do follow the plan in accordance with the purpose which the masters know.
1: It is also interesting to note that the energies on the involutionary arc flow
3: from above to below and the forces on the evolutionary path from below upwards. Humanity being on the evolutionary path, the great invocation invokes energies and forces which are used on the upward
1: arc. First, light or knowledge Next, love, and then will or power, exactly as they are needed. Through the right application of these divine
3: energies and forces, the triangle group chants, this great invocation becomes the lighter channel through which humanity itself is exhorted to take up the effort to establish God's will on Earth and transform the Earth into a sacred planet. Thus, by a dedicated and heartfelt group chanting of the great invocation, the lighter triangles, which are energetically created all around the planet, invoke, precipitate, and distribute the divine energies of light love and power into the hearts and minds of all humanity. I would like to conclude by reminding ourselves that it is our sacred duty to go forward being cognizant of the fact that the Triangle's work is a sacred service to humanity and to the hierarchy which is performed by us in all humility and dedication to the will of God. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Tom.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you both. I, I wondered if now we could have just a brief exchange, but I wanted to let people know that after this brief exchange, we'll be hearing Tom's chant um, of the Great Invocation, which is available on his YouTube channel. Which is a beautiful way to close off our first uh, session on the Great Invocation. I, I was just thinking when you both were speaking about this idea of the relationship of the Buddha, which Sunny mentioned, to the first stanza, and the Christ, perhaps, to the second stanza. The Buddha reflecting mm. of the light, mm. and the Christ reflective of the love.
1: Mm.
0: And I wondered if you had any thoughts that you would like to share, I'm putting you on the spot, but in relationship to the light and the Buddha and how that's working out in our world.
1: Well, you know, the Buddha gave us uh,
2: the idea of right relations, uh, which brings light into our life. And, you know, if we think of the Noble Eightfold Path, we don't uh, think of that in terms of light but it actually does uh when we practice you know as as the uh i said in my talk right relations to god and right relations to our fellow humans that is bringing light <laughs> from from god into our lives it is an expression of the love of god uh on the physical plane with others. Um, And um, I was reading earlier today how uh, the uh, invocation is actually invoking the will of God. And the will of God is light in humans. It is love in humans. And it is the will to good in humans. And I had not thought of it as invoking the will of God. But uh, it, it kind of it hit me today when I was when I read that, and I thought, well, I need to just bring that up.
3: <laughs> Thank you. Mm. Well, I also wanted to say that um, Buddha is the one who really brought the idea of uh, Maya into the world, that everything is uh, conditional on something. So what we see in this world is just illusionary. Everything is conditioned on something else. And what is conditioned, everything is actually conditioned on the monad from which everything has started. So that's a, that's a source of light itself. Uh, he's the first one who bring that into the human consciousness, saying that think beyond what you're seeing out here. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely.
2: I, uh, that was uh, uh, depicted beautifully in your visualization, where yeah. you know we we didn't we weren't aware of what was standing behind us. Yes, which is yeah. uh, you know the divine self essentially, or yeah. or God or however you want to express that.
0: Yeah, I. I was wondering about the, the idea in the past when preceding the Christ's reappearance uh, to inaugurate the Piscean Age, 500 years before that, the we know the Buddha came to prepare mm-hmm. the way for his brother, prepare, primarily at that time the Western world. But now the Christ comes again to inaugurate the, budding Aquarian age. And I was thinking, but did we have a a Buddha preceding it? And I thought that it probably is related to the stage of the forerunner, which the Tibetan says um, started in 1965 and will culminate in 2025, wherein the collective body of the new group of world servers have stood as a kind of representative of the Buddha, uh preparing the way for the Christ again, because that group is conditioned, we know, by the energy of Taurus, which was the preeminent conditioning energies of the Buddha. And so I think that in a sense, that has been humanity's task, uh, the planetary light bearer, um, it's not been undertaken by one individual, but rather by the group that is overshadowed, perhaps mm. by um, great teachers like the Buddha. So, yep.
3: yeah, yeah, I think the difference is exactly what you said. It's not the individual anymore. It's right. a group.
2: Mm. Right. Yes,
0: that's right. Right. Well, I think to close, we will just now go into hearing your beautiful recitation of The Great Invocation. Tom, did you want to say anything about this recording or anything yeah, about
3: the Yeah, the only thing I want to say is that this recording was never practiced. We never, uh, we just went to the studio, told the uh, instrumentalists, the musicians to just play what came to their mind.
4: Mm. And I
3: said, I'll sing what came into my mind. That's how it, the whole thing happened. One take, end of story.
0: Beautiful. It's You can feel that. You definitely can. Thank you. So
1: here we go. Thank you so much. Thank you.
4: Thank oh
0: Thank you so much both of you it was a great opening to our series here tom there's been a few requests for your youtube channel if you could post that uh I, maybe i did oh, okay I, yeah I is did. It okay great all right well thank you both so much and thank
2: you kathy <laughs>
3: thank you
0: it was wonderful yeah. yeah it was thank everyone for your participation and so let's just Close with a brief
1: visualization of the planet surrounded by a network of triangles. Oh.